Welcome into the Fear of God corporate offices. Okay, you did get your name tag. Yes, good job. Um, it is after business hours, of course, and so we just all need to have those name tags on us at all times. Um, my coworker, uh, one Mr. Reed Lackey, is running a little late, unsurprisingly, but he and I are going to be convening some work crews to help us get through the night. This place does not clean itself. Um, you are special. That is what Max Lucado said, and that is what I'm telling you right now. You get to be a part of each crew tonight. Each crew, okay? If you are unsure how you ended up here, um, be sure to check out thefearofgodpodcast.com. Also, thefogpod.com will get you there as well. Isn't that cute and fun for basically anything you want to know about this podcast? Well, what do you know? Coming down on the night shift. On the night shift. Read. Yeah. All right. On the night shift. Gonna be a Coming down on the night shift. We are reaching the Commodores. Has had a good week. Look at you. You're just toe tapping, but it's always. It's listen. It is always a good week at the fear of God. I am, I'm feeling. Amen, amen, mm-hmm. brother Lackey. Although I do, I must admit, I think you are likely a little bit biased. Hey, listen, both of those things can be true. I can be biased and be a good week at the fear of God all the time. Okay. Um. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I, absolutely. I. Um, okay. Yeah. I will. I will agree with you there. So. So what's uh. We. we you know. We got the newbie here. Um. Why don't you tell oh, us what is on the. Uh, What's on the work list, the punch list oh, for tonight, Lackey? Well, that's actually why I had a whole bunch of songs stuck in my head. Because uh, to start things off, I'm going to be teaming up with our Ain't Right and So Right songsmith, Andrew Nelson, for a patron segment. Oh, yeah. well, Andrew showing yeah. up. Mm-hmm. That sure as hell is fun. right. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's right. Um, right. You know, pardon the pun, but what you covering? <laughs> ooh, well, we're doing, ooh, that's a, that would be a good new segment. What you covering? What you got her hand? Mm. What? No, maybe not. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, we're going to be discussing the boogeyman and the woman in the room. Is the woman in the room the boogeyman? No, oh, I got. I hope not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. okay, you know that's that's okay. Cool. Uh, uh, what's after that? Oh, after that, I'm going to team up with Beckley and Jess to cover the delightful feline frolic from 1985 called Cat's Eye. Super excited Meow. about that one. Yeah. I don't, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Um, I don't, I left, I, I got to admit, I left my book on the passenger seat when I pulled up mm. the, to, to walk over here, but I don't yeah. think, is, 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 cat, uh, 
Huh? I don't want to look like I didn't cat do the, the work, you know. Cat got your tongue. But is no, is uh, <laughs> is Cat's Eye in Night Shift? Oh no! So, okay, so no, there's not a story called Cat's Eye in Night Shift. Cat's Eye was an anthology film that adapts Quitters Inc. and The Ledge. You just Quitters Inc. Quitters Inc. I did. I did. I said. I said like. Did uh, the cat got your tongue there, Reed? Yeah, it did. Cat scratch so, fever. No. Um, why don't you tell us again what what's in the unfollow? Oh my yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's what happens. Pride comes before a fall, my brother. I'm just telling you. It's just oh, I'm gonna tease Reed and then trip over my own words. Um, mm-hmm. No, it it adapts. Tell us about the quitters on. <laughs> the quitters on. It uh, adapts <laughs> quitters ink and the ledge. Plus, there's a bonus story. I promise it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Okay. So quarters on the ledge. Okay. Um, <laughs> this new guy is not coming back. Uh, they they, they may not be. Please here. consider this my resignation. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Two weeks notice around here. That's all you get. First, please go rank us on Spotify before you go. Five stars only. Um, so, like, okay. So you're doing a lot of stuff here, uh, yeah. Mr. Lackey, with a bunch of other people. So I am just going to head on out. I think you've got it covered. Uh, no, 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 no. You're up after that. Trust me. You always come back. Okay. Okay. You got me. Sometimes. I'll, yeah. Okay. That's the spirit. <laughs> All right. I'll see you at the break. All right. I <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the night shift. Your guards on duty tonight are the one, the only, one of your premier quarterly queens, Jess Fishley. Jess, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to this conversation, guys. Me too. But not only do we have Jess, but we also have the one, the only, the, like, I don't even have a a good description because he's so incomparable to anything else. The mind, the brain, the organization skills of our continuity (laughs) guru, Stephen Beckley. Steve, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Reed, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And of course, I am one of your hosts, Reed Lackey. We are going to dive in right now on a film that was released uh, in the mid-80s, 1985 specifically, and it covers a couple of stories from Night Shift. We are going to be talking about the film Cat's Eye, uh, an interesting collection in Stephen King's adaptation. It's an, an, an anthology film, and it also um, covers an adaptation of two stories from Night Shift, Quitters Incorporated or Quitters Inc., and The Ledge, both of which we'll dive into in more detail. And in Cat's Eye, which we'll spend a little bit of time on, there's also a third story that is not uh, an adaptation of anything. Stephen King has never put it uh, in written form. It's only available in Cat's Eye, as far as I'm aware. And uh, so we're going to be talking about all of that together. So um, first of all, I want to start with a little bit of histories. And what I'm going to invite is for this early round, feel the freedom to bounce to any of the stories. Again, we're going to be talking about The Ledge, talking about Quitters, Inc., The third story that's exclusive to Cat's Eye is called General. Uh, Feel free to bounce to any of them. And Jess, I'm going to start with you. Uh, What was your exposure to either of these two short stories or the film Cat's Eye? Okay, so I have tremendous affection for the movie Mm. Cat's Eye. Um, I saw this when I was eight or nine. I was kind of trying to do the math. 
Mm. And it is definitely the most terrifying movie that I ever saw. Like <laughs> that's awesome. Vividly. Like I and only that final story general. If mm, I saw okay. the first two, I think I probably skipped through it as an eight-year-old. Um gotcha. and also I wasn't allowed to watch this. I was completely <laughs> sneaking it yeah. with my younger brother. Um mm-hmm. and so I have you'll you'll appreciate this vivid memories of you know, we're all brave, me and my brother, and we're watching sure. it. We're like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. He's probably about six when we're watching this. <laughs> that night, we can't sleep, of course. We're terrified. We're crying. And my mom was so mad. And I get it now as a parent. You're like, I just want to sleep. I told you not to do this. And But we're like <laughs> singing hymns. We're like getting saved. I mean, we are doing everything that's awesome to just make the the, the fear go away wow. so oh i have gosh. great affection and not to bring the mood down but my my brother died unexpectedly last yeah. year and this yeah. is one of my core memories with dave oh. like this is um just one of those movies so anyway i have <laughs> tremendous affection for cat's eye for this oh. For this large reason in my childhood. <laughs> no, that I appreciate you sharing that. That that makes a lot of sense. Now, had you, of course, you know, coming out of Cat's Eye, and I know that you are a reader as well, had you read the short stories that it was based on before this preparing for this conversation? I had not, but I hmm. am so glad because I hold the affection, and I'm sure we'll get into it because it has all good things of 80s in that movie, yeah. mm-hmm. but it doesn't do those stories justice. At all, in my opinion. So reading these stories, I'm like, these are fantastic. So I'm really excited to talk about these stories as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve, coming to you next. So had you read these before? Uh, had you seen Cat's Eye before? What's your What's your thoughts? I remember the the movie was on TV a lot when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think what connected with just before that we're about the same age, so yep. it was probably around the same age that I saw it first, like nine or so, um, yeah. because that was a couple years after it was in theaters. And do, Reed, do you yeah. know if it had like a big theatrical release or it was definitely released theatrically. Now, yeah. what I did not look up beforehand fa- failure on my research hat is I did not look up to see like how it performed theatrically. Yeah. It did have a theatrical release. It I mean, was ge- not generally a anthologies don't usually do well in theaters, no. but, uh, no. but then it, it, I think it got into like basic cable or maybe HBO or Cinemax Cause we had one or the other of those when I was young. So yes, it, it that was, was totally, it was cable TV. Yeah. yeah. And it was mm-hmm. on all summer. I feel yeah. like I saw it in bits and spurts. Like, Oh, yeah. cat's like eyes on weeks. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, so, I, mean, I remember watching and liking all the segments and uh, mm-hmm. I was never, I was never really a cat person. Mm-hmm. Um, we like my family, my wife and son and I just got a cat for the first time. So it's the first time I've ever had a cat for like the, the past, uh, I don't know, like a little over a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I sent you guys a picture earlier today of my cat and uh, she looks <laughs> a lot like the cat in the movie. Only she has more white yes. on her, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. But uh, yeah, um, I thought, I think every segment has its uh, elements of real like suspense and, and thrills in it. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's what kept bringing me back to having it sort of be like a comfort food movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I totally get it. And the the stories was the uh, was this pr- preparing for this discussion the first time you'd read the stories? I think I had read uh The Ledge before. Mm. Um but yeah, not not Quitters Inc. Um okay. I, my sister had the book on her shelf when I was a kid and she's 5 years older than me. 
Oh, okay. So I don't, okay. I never like sat down and read the whole night shift before, but I think that one, I, because I knew it was in cat's eye, I decided to read it once. And so I remember reading okay. that. Yeah. Oh, cool. 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 All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my own history is not dissimilar from yours. I encountered this film young. I don't remember exactly how old I was. Um, growing up in my household, we didn't have like, um, premium cable. We, we would had to wait till it came to network TV. Now mm-hmm. what, what is interesting about these is that network TV would usually, especially if the film was like rated R or something, would usually just, you're not really even watching the same movie at that point. Right. Right? Yes. Tons, tons of substituted language, tons of clipped short scenes. But Cat's Eye, um, with a few shot exceptions, there's not a lot of gruesomeness in Cat's Eye. Um, it, it is more like what you described, like more suspenseful. And so it's like when I was rewatching it this time, Steve, I think you described it as like comfort food. And when I was rewatching it this time, I was like, man, this is this is so 80s. Like this just yeah. feels yes. like <laughs> it encapsulates all the best things. It makes me want to go back. I'm not yes. gonna lie. I have so much nostalgia. But uh-huh. in one scene, they show a tape, like a cassette tape being ruined, yes. him yes. opening the glove oh, box yeah. and paper maps falling out. Oh my god. I mean, yes. And then two kids with no seatbelts in the back of a station wagon. I was just like, yeah. oh my gosh, friends, like <laughs> what happened? Like, I want to go back just it for a day. So, it is so awesome. No, it is so awesome. It takes you all the way back there. And I think there was just, so this was actually the second time that Stephen King had actually written a screenplay. He had written a screenplay for Creep Show, And mm. um, when, when he tackled this one, it was really cool because this was kind of delivered at like the height of Stephen King stuff. Like by this point, by the time Cat's Eye gets released, he's had more than half a dozen bestsellers uh, among his novels and books. He's also had multiple adaptations like Louis Teague, who directed this, had directed Cujo earlier. So um, and and Firestarter the year before with Drew Barrymore, right. you had like all of these because it wasn't just like Carrie from the 70s and then. The Shining in 1980 and everything. There was just once we hit 1983, it's almost like you get two or three Stephen King movies per year, and and this was in like year three or four of that range. So again, peak cultural impact for him, and it felt like everything was just kind of having fun. I don't know what the behind the scenes drama or not was, but just everything about this felt like they were having a whole lot of fun. Uh, at least that's what ekes through uh, the screen. Uh, it didn't feel like it was very disjointed or a troubled production. And I actually think this benefits a little bit from having Stephen King write the screenplay, adapting both of his stories and writing the general fresh for the screen and from having one directorial voice because Louis Teague directs all of these. And that's not always the case with anthologies. Sometimes with anthologies, they'll farm out the smaller segments to different directorial voices, which means there's a kind of a disconnect in how they all feel. Whereas this kind of feels like they're all, even though the stories are very different from one another, it feels like they have the same tone throughout. And I think that makes the piece stronger as a whole. Well, it did have one, uh, one composer of the score and they use some of the same themes in all three. So that yeah, helps. I Alan think. Silvestri. And it, yeah. it, if, if memory serves, I think Alan Silvestri, I think the score that most people know him from is the back to the future score, but, um, and he Alan did the Sil- Avengers theme more recently. Oh, yeah, he did. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. Um, but, uh, Alan Silvestri, this is, I believe his only horror movie credit and as a composer. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and I, I agree with you. It's like, you can kind of, there's a recurrence of that tone that links all of these together. So it's, it's remarkably cohesive as an anthology, even those stories, again, are very, very different from one another. And let's get into those stories real quick. Uh, let's take yeah. th- uh, two, three minutes and, and just kind of summarize them briefly. Um, we will, why don't we go ahead and start where Cat's Eye starts? So let's start with Quitters Inc. So, um, Quitters Inc. is a story in brief about a man who, uh, when we meet him, uh, he has been sort of pitched this uh, stop smoking uh, phenomenon. Uh, This company called Quitters Inc. who have some unorthodox methods. When he discovers what those unorthodox methods are uh, in the short story, uh, it is a rabbit. In the film, it is a cat that uh, basically he finds out uh, that they have this room and they transact this on the rabbit and the cat where the room is like a shock floor at the bottom. And uh, when they, they put somebody in that room, it's like a, a kind of a torture room. And they said, if you get caught smoking, we're going to put your wife in there. And then we're going to put your child in there. And, and then like the, uh, the one way mirror. So he can yes. watch, but she can't see him. Right. Exactly. And he has to watch. And this is going to continue to escalate. What's what's wild is that in the story, they have like 10 phases of escalation. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, in the in the film, they cut it through to like three or four. four. And by the fourth, yeah. yeah. And by the fourth one, they're like, we give up. I'm like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as you could probably project, um, he goes for a while to try to, you know, quit cold turkey. And then he has a slip up. And then when he has that slip up, he finds out if they were telling the truth or not. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, uh, let's, let's cycle around this for maybe 15 ish minutes or so. What'd you, uh, what'd you guys think? Let's dig, let's, let's dig into this story. Um, actually, why don't we do this? I, I'm going to pivot in real time. Why don't we do this? Why don't we summarize the three stories? Then we can do that ain't right. And then we can get into the broader stuff. Y'all want to okay. just like clip through the didactics. Sure. All right. So that was Quitters Inc. Uh, I, I feel like I'm dominating a lot. Anybody want to try to summarize the ledge for us? I'm tar- terrible at summarizing, so feel free, <laughs> friend. All right. Steve, you want to tackle the ledge? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so in the ledge, uh, well, the, the same cat from the first story escapes and uh, heads to <laughs> Manhattan. So the, the cat is in Manhattan and uh, uh, there's... Or no, it's Atlantic City, New Jersey. That's right, because it's it's yeah, 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 it's yeah. the the right. town for for betting and and uh, and gambling. So uh, mm-hmm. there's this uh, big time crime boss, Kressner, who's uh, uh, out out in the casino when he gets out to the street, and they make a bet on the, whether the cat can make it across the street where there's a lot of traffic and honking yeah. and everything. And um, well, he wins, and because because uh, uh, he he urges the cat to come at just the right time. That's going to cause a big accident, and and. Uh, he takes the cat up to his penthouse, uh, but meanwhile, um, there's this uh, tennis pro. He's kind of washed up. He's uh, Johnny Norris, and uh, he uh, he's putting his uh, girlfriend on uh, a bus. And the girlfriend happens to be the wife of Kressner, the the gambler, the mob, yep. mob boss. Um, but uh, he's been having an affair with her, and she wants to leave the mob boss. Uh, so mm-hmm. she gets on the bus, and uh, just as he's leaving the bus station, he gets. Uh, he gets uh hit he gets hit by these goons who are working for the mob boss and uh, they take him and he ends up up in the penthouse and he says uh mr norris uh i'm going to give you a proposal 
I'll give you my wife. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you some money. What was it like? $20,000. Yeah. Um, $20,000. Yeah. And, and I'll let you go and I'll, I'll, I'll let my wife leave me. But if, if you don't take the proposal, uh, we put some drugs in your car and uh, we're going to tell the police that it's there. And then you'll be going away to prison for, to prison for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, what's the proposal? He says, you have to go out on the ledge around this building. And there's a lot of turns and corners in the building. Um, if you make it all the way around, you get, you get the money and my wife and you get to go. Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll not call the police. Um, well, he doesn't want to do it. But he gets out there, and between the alternatives, it seems like the best option. <laughs> yeah. So he starts to go, and uh, as he's going around, uh, there's different obstacles. Like uh, if he thinks he can rest for a while, then Cressner uh, comes out and, and starts. Uh, uh, he turns the hose on him, the fire hose. Yeah, and like <laughs> and flagging blasting. him with his clothes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hitting him with clothes and, and just mocking him out of mm-hmm. every corner. And then there's a bird that pecks on his heel. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yes. <laughs> and yes. and the, the ledge is only five inches, he says, but it seems like two. Or is it, mm-hmm. like, or is it more like one? Um, <laughs> so he gets around and he's he's on the last straightaway and then there's this this sign this like big big neon sign with big letters oh my um, gosh he has to climb around those and one almost falls off while he's on it but makes yep. it past, past that and, and he gets up to the uh balcony and he gets in there and uh Kresner comes out and he says i never never welch on a bet i'm just i'm just a very poor loser um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, says, uh, he says i've got I've got what what i promised you was in the bag and bag falls over and, and the wife's head falls out of the bag. <laughs> my gosh. He promised her the wife. I mean, yeah. he promised the dude, the wife, like, but, oh, uh, my God. but it ends up that, that uh, there's a, there's a struggle for a gun and then Norris gets the gun and mm-hmm. uh, he gets, you know, wait, like shoots the, uh, the th- other thug that's in there, the limo driver. So mm-hmm. it's only him and Kresner there. And so he gets to force him out of the ledge then. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. He doesn't fare as well. Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> he and, does not. He does not. So that cat, was the cat looks oh, yeah. on and uh, gets to run away for another day. That's right. <laughs> Boy, this cat. Um, and uh, the the third story in Cat's Eye, which again is not based on a story from Night Shift, is called General. And in it, uh, Drew Barrymore, who uh, has shown up at some point in all three of these stories in a, in a smaller fashion, she's in this story as a primary character. She's the daughter who uh, there is this troll like creature that comes to her in the night. He's armed with a small little blade and he's trying to suck her breath away. And uh, General, this cat, uh, has seen this trollish monstrous little thing and fights it and attacks it but the mom is convinced that it is actually the cat that is causing all the mayhem in the house that killed the bird uh that caused you know uh, a mess in inside her room uh the mom is convinced that it's the cat uh meanwhile she does not realize what mortal peril she is putting her daughter in by sending that cat away to the pound uh but general as we discover is uh, quite the resilient cat that's 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 a good cat like if i'm going to have i'm not a cat person but if i'm going to have a cat i want general <laughs> like give, yeah, give me definitely. general cuz general's uh, general's a good cat so um and so yeah and 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 in the end he and the troll have a uh, kind of an epic battle uh throughout the it's yeah we'll get into all of that but <laughs> throughout the little bedroom they have a kind of an epic fight um and that concludes this little you know uh trio of stories 
So um, before we get into some of the meatier stuff of it, let's take maybe another five to seven minutes and talk about the things about any of these stories that might be described not just as wrong, but as we might say, that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. So um, I am going to start with you, Jess, and I'm going to All invite right. you. We we can do two rounds if we want to. Uh, okay. But, um, I'm going to invite you to include a that ain't right from any of either any the of two them. written stories or any of the three uh, film versions. So what is okay. your that ain't right? I am going to go with one from The Ledge. Okay. Which are both described in the book and in um, Steve had alluded to it, the pigeon pecking at his ankle Whoa. while he is trying to go around the idea and the, oh my gosh, and just everything about the physical challenge <laughs> of what he is doing is already like, you know, and I, that's the one thing I liked about the written story was that you get some of that internal dialogue, you know what yeah. I mean? Like him talking yeah. about his muscles cramping up and, oh, uh, I could feel it. And it just feels like, and then to have this bird to just be mercilessly pecking at your raw flesh. It was just horrible, horrible. It yes. Right. No, anyway. I, I absolutely agree. And I agree with you, what you called out there that like, that is one thing that I feel that the ledge, the story, the written story yeah. delivers better than this interior, than the film does in the sense of like, I was more with him on the ledge in the story Yes. than I was with him on the on the film because you can see it but it totally. but it's and they not- keep adding stuff to make it visually like oh wow whereas right it was so much more believable when it was written and it was his agony and fighting your body and your mind and like I loved when he was talking about how he like had his breathing exercises like he used to do before big tennis matches like yeah. I don't know I loved that so the written story of that particular one is is i really enjoyed that no i absolutely agree i absolutely agree uh steve what would you put as a that ain't right again from any of these yeah um i would say the scene in uh quitters inc when uh it's the middle of the night and he wakes up and uh really wants a cigarette and Mm. he goes down to his his den to his desk and He's trying to find a light, and then he just hears something in the closet fall over. Oh my god! <laughs> so you know how the uh, the guy Donati, who's in charge of the company, the, the Queers mm-hmm. Inc. company, he's he said like, especially in, in the in the story in the novel, uh, uh, he really made it clear how, um, you know, we might be watching you at any given time. It might be like one week for seven days, yeah, and or, or it might be one day out of a whole month, or it could be one day out of six months or <laughs> yeah <never> no <laughs> yeah so he never Ooh. knows when they're watching him it's and there, so was, and there was a song that was twice during yes. the, during the whole movie that was uh, every breath you take we'll be watching <laughs> you 
Yeah, <laughs> I love it was, that. It, it was on the record at the end, at the last segment, and it was in the, mm-hmm. the like hallucination filled party scene in in the uh, first segment. Yeah, so with that, the, with Donati doing this wild like dance <laughs> as he's like moving down. <laughs> that was again. That was some eighties oh, hallucination man. scene. <laughs> oh man, it was glorious. The, like fifty cigarettes in his mouth. Yes. It was hilarious. That was, that was one that, of my favorite sequences. Yeah, go ahead. But that was what uh, Morrison was was uh, just. I guess that that's what was in his mind. Like he's always being watched. I'll be watching you. That was sort of competing in his mind with his addiction and really wanting a cigarette to like calm his nerves. So yeah. Yeah. But then he sees the boots in the closet and the puddle around the boots. And the next next day actually sees the footprints leading away. There's actually a guy in there. That's the wildest part is because he's he's convinced like was I imagining it what was going on and then mm-hmm. it's like nope it's just <laughs> no. it's just like the fear of a pile of clothes across the room right oh my yeah. gosh exactly <laughs> listen yes. you never yes. know if that pile of clothes starts moving at you I'm just saying like the shadows are mean they, the shadows are really really mean yeah. um but what I would add on to that because this was going to be my that ain't right so I'm just going to kind of yes and one that is like the entire quitters Inc method. You know, it's it's one thing that, you know, like negative reinforcement of behavior to try to like, you know, consequence avoidance, you know, can be a deterrent. It can have its own sort of like uh, effectiveness as it as it were. It's it's a, a negative conditioning. Um, but that whole uh, that whole concept of like, we're going to escalate this not by what we do to you. But by what we do to the people that you love, the people around Um, you, like that is psychologically jacked up. That ain't right. I was like, however effective it may be, like that is absolutely messed up. And by way of distinction, I'll throw on there because this is true of the short story and of the of the small anthology thing, is that then, you know, towards the end, he kind of becomes buddy buddy with him. He's kind of great. He's like, oh man, you know, you you kill me. Like, yeah, thanks. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna set your weight at 165. And he's like, oh, what do you what are you gonna do if I if I mess up? He's like, oh, we'll cut off your wife's little finger. And he's like, you kill me. You know, like blah blah blah. He just thinks he's all joking because he thinks it's all done. Yeah. But then they have their friends over. When they have yeah. their friends over and the toast is raised, the wife's little finger is missing. And it's like, oh, Oh my god. And and what oh and why I would cite that as a that ain't right is because the concept is that it will never stop. There will always yep. be something. On the end yep. of the weight control, there will always be something. There will always be some looming threat and maybe that's something that we'll get into when we get out of the that ain't right segment, mm-hmm. but that concept of we are going to drive you to this with a pervasive sense of consequential fear, as opposed to a, a propulsion towards self betterment, that's that's worth. Some there must have been right? some kind of self betterment. I mean, it's 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 a fictional story, but I'm still thinking like the way they portrayed it. There must have been some kind of self betterment because he seemed yeah. to be happier in his life at the end. He did seem to yeah. be happy. He did seem to be happy when they got to that place to where he had yeah. finally quit smoking. Like that mm-hmm. success yeah. was kind of like he did seem to be happy. But uh, but then it then it gets fascinating because then yeah. like what's next? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Totally. Oh, and I don't want to hijack this like no, this no, sense of fear, yeah. but like so. Reed and I were talking just off pod. I'm actually a nutrition and fitness coach. Mm-hmm. So 
let me tell you, this story really rang interesting in just my experience of working with clients. And it's amazing how people want negative reinforcement Mm. because developing internal reinforcement is so much harder. It's a longer journey. I mean, I've been essentially fired by someone because Mm. I wasn't mean enough when they messed up. Like this woman was like, I need you to really get in my face. And I was like, it's not my, my style. It's not my belief. You know, I have a whole philosophy, but I loved the whole focus on, you know, we're pragmatists, you know, throughout the story, Mm -hmm. he says it like four or five times, you know, like we're not psychotic. We're literally like, this is what you want. You say Mm -hmm. you want this. And he's like, I don't care why you want to, your why, like everything is, I don't care. You said you want to stop. I'm going to help you do that. And that, that is alive and well in the fitness industry and oh, the nutrition wow. industry. Wow. So like, you know what I mean? It's like sure. not quite, but I love that Stephen King took it to its logical, complete crazy end. I was, yeah, because, I was reading some of the background pretty quickly, but I think I saw that Stephen King had a smoking problem himself and mm-hmm. he was yeah. going on his own experience of quitting. Yeah. And I think well, he, people get really upset about their addictions. They get it and they're like, whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever well, it yeah. takes, you know? Well, he had further addictions than smoking, right? He did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he had he had a cocaine problem. He had yeah. uh needle problems. I don't know what he was putting in the needles offhand, but you know, uh I, I will never forget because it stands out, I believe it's from his own writing book that at one point his wife Tabitha came and she had spent some degree of time, maybe a week, maybe a few days. Um, I doubt it was a month, but um, she had spent some degree of time collecting the trash from his addiction, you know, uh, needles and beer cans and all this other stuff, piled it into a garbage bag and set down in front of him the garbage bag of stuff and a packed suitcase. And she said, choose now. Wow. Period. Like she said, it's this or I'm gone. And, you know, we all know he writes about it. He's very open about it. He's very, he's very honest about his, his uh, extensive addiction problems and his, you know, it, kind of when he was at the height of his popularity, a lot of that was where he was struggling with this addiction. He's been sober wow. for a very, very long time now, but he's, he's very candid about that in his writings and in interviews yeah. and stuff like that. Sounds like but, both that and the quitters Inc. are both like cold turkey. Like mm, you can mm. have one last cigarette tonight, but after tomorrow you're on the program and that is it. Yeah. And it's it from there. Well, why don't we do this? I will, I will give uh, a little bit of, uh, of, of love to the moment from the ledge where the, the wife's head is in the bag, just Ooh. as a conceptual, yeah. that ain't right. Where I was like, Oh man, <laughs> seven before seven, you know, but um, what I, but, but why don't we go ahead and go? And cause it feels like that's the energy of the, of the moment. So let's, that has been the part of the show where we talk about things that aren't just wrong, but might be said that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. Um, because I so so I want to I want to piggyback on on what you this whole the the energy around Quitters Inc. Um, and and I do want to make sure you know we want to keep a little bit uh, aware of time uh, and and give the other stories some love. But I think that idea of negative reinforcement it's so fascinating to hear you talk about it, Jess, because I am I am an individual who is demotivated by fear. So mm. 
So when I am afraid you are going to punish me, I will fight you. I will. That is not right. You will not do that. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, show me how this will empower and better me, and I will go and do. I I went. I did a stint, uh, a relatively extensive stint in therapy, and uh, I will. Uh, you know, I always feel a little awkward about saying a positive thing about myself. But one of the things when I closed my time out, my therapist said I did have a knack for hearing good advice and and taking it. She said, mm. she said, you, she said, you just, you have a, it's, she said, it's why yeah. this method has worked so well for you is because you hear good advice and then you put it into practice. And that was, again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I find it interesting in contrast to what you said, Jess, that it's like, yeah, if somebody's going to get in my face or threaten a bunch of things, I'm going to be inclined to try to subvert that, to try to escape that, resist that, or directly confront it and say like, Hey, that's, that's not the way to go about this. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna respond to that. As opposed to if somebody comes to me and says like, "This will benefit you by all of these myriad of other things," which lands so much more strongly with me. Which is maybe why I had such an aversion to this Quitters Inc. methodology. I'm like, that's not the way to do it. Send me like flowers or or give me yeah. you know a treat when I go a week without it. That'll work mm-hmm. better for me. <laughs> like that'll yeah. be mine. Uh, I don't know what do. You, what do you guys, uh, what habits do you try to break or I don't know, like this whole thing is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I read about and think about habits all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of an unfair, but it really is knowing yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so again, what I like about Quitters Inc. is I feel like we live I don't know. I think we live with, and maybe it's changing, but we live with a way more negative reinforcements Mm. than Mm -hmm. positive. And I say that as a parent who is constantly being more threatening (laughs) than, (laughs) you know, offering other things. So, I, I mean, I can see it, but like, I see that in this space where, you know, I am curious knowing now that, uh, Stephen King was a smoker. I knew about his other addiction problem, but like the idea of something that you're like, I don't care what it takes. I want to get rid of it. And that's what there's so many people I know in the food environment, because you can't get away from food. You have to live with it, you know? So it's this thing. And I feel for people that get so frustrated because they can't seem to get a handle on it, that Mm -hmm. they really would take the most extreme thing for relief, you know, Mm -hmm. just like I need this to stop and it has to be drastic. But I do feel like in a lot of ways, like with quitters, it was like, all right, well, look at that. He stopped smoking in a day because Mm -hmm. it's that drastic. When you do things, drastically that are externally motivated yeah it happens fast yeah but the question is will it truly last you know and obviously (laughs) when your life isn't threatened and your family's (laughs) life isn't threatened for most people drastic like things cannot stay you know it just ends up it's too different from your norm so low and slow, <laughs> that is the tempo, <laughs> as the Beastie Boys would say, for <laughs> habit change. <laughs> yeah. so that is not, you know, it is the opposite of, but there's a lot of money to be made by sure. promising people that we're going to be hard, we're going to be tough, 
and yeah. I promise you results. And that was his thing. He's like, I promise you results. I'm a pragmatist. I yeah. will get you the results, you know? Yeah. And that is alive and well. I think the oh, word I that see. came to mind for me was accountability. Cause mm. it, it was like a, an extreme accountability partner is what, is what Mr. Morrison mm. had there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you can have real life friends have be like positive accountability partners and they're not going to mm-hmm. threaten your loved ones, but, but you can right. talk to them on, on a regular basis and let them know what, how you've slipped up in, in what you're trying to improve or, or, or uh, decrease your vices. And, yeah. uh, but, but in the movie, it was, uh, you know, the, the former uh, crime syndicate had, had changed when their, when their leader died of, of uh, lung cancer, right? And mm-hmm. His cause was uh, to help people not to suffer the same fate. And they they right. used their knowledge of threatening people with with uh, injury and death. Yeah, yeah. And they just leveraged it differently. Yeah. It's interesting you talk about accountability partner because I thought a lot. Some of this may be just reflective of the headspace that I'm in this season, but I thought a lot. And I would be so curious. I would be profoundly curious. How many times in churches it's, what is the ratio? I don't know it, but I'm like, what is the ratio per pulpit uh, of discussion of the freedom, the love, the grace, and the mercy of Christ versus hell? Like, what's the, what's the ratio? Because one thing that I see is that I do see a tendency when people begin to talk a little bit more about bettering yourself and the love and the freedom and the pave way that Christ gives you to be able to do that, there can be this rising up of like, you're not talking about sin. You're not talking about hell. You're not talking about death. You're not, you're not doing this. And it's, it's really interesting because to me, I'm not casting aspersions one way or another. Maybe you can uh, parse out exactly how I feel about it through the subtext of what I'm saying, but I do find it interesting because it's basically positive or negative reinforcement. If you want to look at it at that degree, it's like you change your life or you straighten up or hell. Um, and I will say from my, from myself, because I deeply believe the Lord knows me, I grew up in a very loving family, but I grew up in a cultural moment that was very, very fire and brimstone. I'm not saying that about my parents individually, but the people, a lot of the people around us and a lot of the church sermons that I sat under growing up were of that variety. My, my parents individually are pretty, uh, loving and and pretty kind and and gracious people, so I think there was a balance there that I've come to respect and appreciate. At the same time, like it was really there in terms of like, you know, the hell's flames just like licking at your doorstep and that kind of stuff. And the whole reason I'm bringing that up is because for me, my relationship with God changed by leaps and bounds when I stopped being afraid of hell. Like just period. Yeah. When I stopped worrying about it, and again, uh-huh. that's me. I'm not going to put that on everybody else, but I will say for me, I I don't know that I began to grow until I stopped worrying about all of that. And then when I stopped worrying about that, there was a path towards sustaining and growing in a relationship that has now come to be so integral to to my day to day. But that didn't happen for me through the you know the negative reinforcement kind of idea. Is that an inward? Uh... Are you thinking about uh, not being afraid of hell for yourself? Do you worry about it for other people? Um, it's largely, I'm. that's a really good question, Steve. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, largely, I trust that to God. So my own individual journey, I don't worry about it for myself, but not because I'm better than anybody else. I trust 
you know, I'm going to be real, you know, open about my theology here. I kind of just trust Christ with it and go on about my life. And in that same regard, I've come to a place to where I try to trust Christ for other people and on other people's behalf in the same way. And then what that repositions me to do is not to bow out of the conversation, but to change the tone of the conversation. So now what I talk about is going to be drastically different than those kinds of things. And certainly if somebody, if a friend of mine or uh, somebody that I love and care about is on a self-destructive path, that may be a differently toned conversation. I also have a son that I'm trying to raise up right in the world. And so a lot of those conversations may take different tones along the way, but that reframed a lot of just how I think and feel about all of it. And that's what it extends from. It's like, okay, well, we're not, we're not going to be afraid of that because there's all of this at our disposal. And there's all of this that has been gifted to us. And that's what I think is worth more spending our time on. Uh, Sorry. I didn't mean to go into all of that, but I think that was a really, really good question. Um, So for the sake of time, let's, uh, let's pivot over to the ledge, unless anybody has something more that they want to dive in on quitters Inc. I don't want to shortchange anybody. Nope. We good. Good. Okay. So uh, the ledge, uh, man, like we said, like in the short story itself, I think it's a little bit more visceral because the way King describes it, I, I always think about this in the experience of rock climbing. I am, I am so strong and so dang good at rock climbing for the first 90 seconds of the rock climb. <laughs> That's awesome. and, and then two minutes into the rock climb, when I'm already a good 12 feet up, I'm like, I have made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like, your arms are like, okay, we're done. Can we bow out? No, you oh, can't bow out. Totally. <laughs> this is when you had that safety rope and someone holding you up and right. Yeah. The Belair. <laughs> and it's just like I can picture like when he's out there on that ledge for the first like two minutes, it's like, okay, I can do this. But okay. then like I every single time he tried to turn the corner and the wind gust goes up. Oh, yeah. oh like, my gosh. God. <laughs> Holding yeah. my breath, turning the page. I'm like, oh my God. Uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. This one was so like the physical element of it, I just feel mm-hmm. like was great. I mean, the height springs it in. Um mm-hmm. He didn't know he'd be doing have it that a natural. night. <laughs> no, not at all. He's wearing, his, like, he's wearing his dress shoes, right? Dress, <laughs> I mean, like everything about it is like ridiculous. I do love that it was the guy from Airplane. I yeah. just have to put yeah. a little shout out. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. But, Robert Hayes. Um, yeah. That Robert was just Hayes, a yeah. cool one. Again, like I just feel like so many things that I enjoy were pinged in these stories because I love a physical challenge, friends. Mm-hmm. I just like <laughs> imagining like, because it is like when you're talking about grip strength yeah. and like hanging on and like that feeling in your forearms when you're just trying to like, and I'm with you, like 90 seconds in, I'm about done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I loved Stephen King's descriptions of just all that kind of physical and his That's mental awesome. talk. Because yeah. again, uh-huh. I just... I've done like Spartan races. Like I just enjoy mm-hmm. like testing out, you know, what can yeah, I do? Yeah. You know, your limits. Sure. Yeah. Totally. It's so fun. And like, I mean, I can't imagine having your life on the line. Like that's, oh, that's God, no. obviously next level, but yeah. his talk of every, everything he said to himself, like when he wanted yeah. to rush, he was almost done. He's like, all I want to do is rush, but I'm going to fall. I just, yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed everything. I, I read it twice because I mm-hmm. felt like yeah. there was just so much in it that I was like, this is just really cool. It makes me feel like 
Stephen King tried to do a little something. I don't know. I just thought it was yeah. really cool that he was able to capture all these things. You'd be feeling sure. physically and mentally while yeah. doing something like that. I don't know. He's, he's master for a reason. No, I, I absolutely agree. It's interesting. The connections between quitters Inc. and, and there, there's elements of this in general, but uh, in, in the story general, but uh, quitters Inc. and the ledge specifically have a lot to say about endurance and about just like the power of the will because Quitters Inc., of course, he's trying to resist, you know, falling back into his addiction. In the ledge, he's he's powering through, and it's a physical test of endurance, but it's also a it's also a mental game as well. He's got to strategize and and make sure that he's being calculated with his movements. Like I like there was this one point in the story, I didn't write it down, but there's one point in the story where he said he became eager to be done. So he wanted to go faster and he had to make himself. Yep go slower because if he went fast, he was going to, yep. the wind was going to catch him. He's going to lose his footing, totally. whatever. So he had to make himself go slow. I noted the and, differences between the uh, book and the movie in, in the, uh, in the book, they didn't have that big neon sign in the last right. part. Yeah. So in, yeah. in the movie, he couldn't go faster in the end because that wasn't there or that was there. So <laughs> yeah. we had to slow down and climb around it. That I feel like the obstacles too. were too much. It just yeah. got yeah. a little, cluttered in the movies trying to make it it was kind of and i did see someone describe it as both comedy and horror and Mm -hmm. i didn't know Mm -hmm. if i was seeing it comedically just because it was had so much 80s kind of whoa Mm -hmm. wackiness happening throughout but it was almost comical like Mm -hmm. the amount of things that kept happening versus the book like like, you were really in it yeah the, the henchmen in, in both of the first two parts were oh my gosh. <laughs> classic, classic, like Looney Tunes goon, yeah. you know, oh my why, gosh. Yes. why I ought to, you know, it was just so corny. Yeah, that's, that should be his name. Why I ought to Smith. That's the guy, uh, that's the guy with the suspenders. He's, he's a uh, Mike star. He was a really prolific uh, character yes. actor. Yeah. He was in yes. a couple of Coen brothers movies around that time. Sure was. Sure was. It's funny. I was like, he's the, he's one of those in the ever growing collection of the guy who was in the thing. Like you've seen him. Yeah. Like, I know. I know that guy. I know I have seen him. And, and the guy who played Kressner is uh, Kenneth McMillan. And he was, I guess a couple of years earlier, he was in the David Lynch Dune movie. As, really? Uh, yeah. Oh as Baron Harkonnen, the character oh. that, that's still in Skarsgård played in the newer one. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can kind of see it. <laughs> like, I just, I just, I I don't, I haven't ever seen um, David Lynch's Dune, but I it's like, yes, I can, but I can see the, I can see the corollary there having yeah. seen the, the other original. Well, and it's interesting too, because I liked, I, I loved the way the story ended because he doesn't, because it ends with him mm-hmm. not knowing if Kressner makes it or not. So as we said, like he puts Kressner out on the ledge, but what I love is that to him doesn't matter if Kressner makes it or not, because he said Kressner may have never welshed on a bet, but I've been known to. And I'm like, Oh man, (laughs) this guy plays dirty. (laughs) That is chilling. That is just implies if if he just happens to make it around, he's just going to shoot him in the head. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, he's like, yeah, it's like, Oh, good for you for making it now. Bye. You know, (laughs) Because, because you know, that's the thing is like, uh, I, I thought that was interesting where he's like, yeah, I don't Welsh on a bet. I'm just a really poor loser, you know? And, and that's his justification for in the movie, literally beheading his wife and serving that 
monstrosity yeah. up to her lover. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's beyond poor loser syndrome, but like this, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's really psychotic. And I mean, like I would venture to say he wouldn't have made it, you know, the guy wouldn't have made it out that door. You know, that's like, uh, he, sure. He, uh, in the story, I kind of got the sense that maybe he would let him go at least to a degree. I got yeah. the sense that maybe Kressner would have let him walk out. Um, I didn't get that sense in the movie. In the movie, I was yeah. like, oh, this guy's dying. But well, you like, saw the little, little, little scene of him talking to his limo driver, henchman, yeah. saying, you know, to coordinate when he was coming around the corner and, and how they yeah. were going to just bump him off. So, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, just, I like, I, he kept coming around uh, whenever he would uh, interrupt him on his trip around the ledge. He would say, just keeping you on your toes, Mr. Yeah. Norris. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> man. This reminds keeping you of any bully you ever had and <laughs> right god so true it's, it's so true him. well and the other thing that is interesting and this this will this will bring us maybe into into general if you guys are okay so general the only story that uh is unique to cat's eye so if you have read night shift for these segments but have not watched cat's eye you will not know what we're talking about with general but what's interesting is so we already talked about how these this has something to say about endurance but also, I think there's a certain degree where it has something to say about endurance for protection. Now, in Ledge, it's a little bit less clean, but there's a certain degree to where he steps out on that ledge, presumably not only to preserve his own, you know, like keep me out of jail, but also he thinks he's protecting her at the same yeah. time because, because he steps out on the ledge when he doesn't know that she's already been killed. So he thinks he's protecting her. And I, I do find that interesting. I, I didn't dig for it it was automatically by the time i got to general where i was like oh i see the theme of endurance in quitters inc and i see the theme of endurance in the ledge who has to endure in in general and it's the cat itself the cat has to endure Mm. the cat has to endure all the obstacles it has to overcome has to escape from the the animal shelter it has to Man, this cat has an uncanny sense of direction. He's better than ways. Like he's just <laughs> like, the, cat is, the cat is like a hero of this whole movie. Oh. In the, oh, in yeah. the, the first two segments in the be- in the beginning of the segment, the cat uh, sees these visions saying like you're on a journey, you're on a quest and this little girl needs you and yeah. it's, it's, it's you're running out of time. Yeah. And got to get all I think that was alluding the- to that the troll is, is is imminent his arrival is imminent so you have to get there to yeah. protect the girl. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, what's funny, uh, before I forget to mention it, you know what General gave me this time around? This is probably going to sound a little weird. I got some strong Jim Henson's Labyrinth vibes from, oh. from oh, General yeah. this time around. I had never thought of that film before, but as I was watching just the, the fight between the troll and the cat, I was like, yeah, this is giving me some, like, maybe the design of the troll or whatever, but I was like, this is giving me some real Labyrinth vibes. Like, I saw that I the creature know. design was, was not Henson, but it was uh, <laughs> Carlo Rambaldi. And I believe that's one of the people that worked in Alien. Oh, was it? Yeah. I need to look that up. That's really cool. Like, like the design was uh, was Giger, H.R. Giger, but the mm-hmm. person who worked on the actual uh, uh, puppet. The machinations. And, yeah, machinations. Yeah. That was uh, Carlo Rambaldi. And I think he got an <gasps> award or a nomination back then. Oh, One of the cool. Aliens movies, if, if not all of them. So, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. But yeah, it, uh, it was interesting to me to see these three stories in that light and the idea of like Quitter's Inc. Yeah, he's got to endure for his own sake to stop the habit, but he's also trying to protect his family because Quitter's Inc. is like coming after him. And in the same sense, the ledge, uh, you know, our, our, our tennis pro hero is doing that where he's just like trying to endure this thing. 
for the sake of the future life that he has before him. Same kind of thing in Quitter's Inc. And then in general, you know, like he's coming to try to protect this girl. I just think it's funny because I kind of was with the mom where I was like, I don't think I would have believed any differently than the mom. But in watching the movie, you're like, oh, stop being so. Oh, I know. Well, it's funny. What I thought was like, it's just how your perceptions can be so different. And, you know, the fact Mm -hmm. that the, the mom and the dad are seeing things different. And, you know, that happens occasionally here in yeah. my household. But, like, <laughs> it really does, you know, because I am, like, you really think a thing is a certain way. And it's so obvious, you know. Yeah. And she was completely wrong. I don't know. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, it's and the father's willingness to believe his daughter, yeah. you know. and. Yeah it's one of those where it, it, it makes you want to be a better parent as you're watching yeah. it. You're like, you know, he heard her out. He's like, listen, I don't know. I really, yeah. it's a little thing, but I really, it was a, a check on am, what I'm seeing and mm-hmm. I'm saying is re- reality. Yeah. Is it really, do I really yeah. know? Yeah. I don't know whether he believed her, but he was willing to listen and hear her out yeah. and investigate that's a little definite. bit. <laughs> that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. 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 No, that's totally definite. Well, and I've, I've cited on the show before, one of my favorite father figures in literature, film, anything is uh, Halloway from Something Wicked This Way Comes for the reason you mm. just cited, Jess, because it's yeah. somewhat rare in supernatural stories when he hears the boys come and tell him about this life-sucking carnival, he believes them and joins the fight. And, uh, and I'm just like, wow, what a, (laughs) I want that. I want that vibrant of a spirit that when I encounter an impossible thing, I'm inclined to lean upon the truthfulness of the people that I love. Like that's, that's something that I want more of, uh, and that I want to do better at, you know, especially if I'm called to my own sense of endurance for the sake of their protection. If I'm called to my own sense of, of just holding on or holding out, for the sake of their betterment or the sake of my own betterment, uh, I, I want to be. Uh, it's it's that notion of when the father uh, uh, whose son was afflicted and he said to Jesus, "Like I believe, but help mm. my own." You know, like yeah. like it's like I believe this much, but I really I need help with all the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, um, and it's like maybe that's maybe to a certain degree that humility that sense of I need help with the rest of it, it it may be one of the best places you can put yourself to position yourself to endure and to position yourself to be able to keep going one more step, one more, um, you know, uh, day, one more, whatever it is that you, the journey that you have to make to get to that goal um, is that sense of humility of like, well, I believe this much. And if I can just have help with the rest of it, then, then maybe I can get there. Anyway, that now I'm, now I feel like I'm rambling. Um, yeah, as, as I said, I noticed before that, or I said before that my son has a cat and we, we have a cat and my son really mm-hmm. loves cats. Um, so he was watching some of this movie with me. Uh-huh. And anytime there's like a threat to a, especially a cat, but other animals too in a movie, he's mm-hmm. like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> nope, I'm done Aww. with this movie. He saw the first part when they put the cat in the electric room. Oh, and, oh no. Oh, no, I'm leaving. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst. He, he came looked- back in a bit later and, uh, uh, yeah, he saw the little gremlin troll guy walking around. And he's run, like, run. <laughs> why is he making all that noise? She's going to wake up. And he's got little jingle bells on his hat. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's vibes, guys. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he needs a better costumer if he's going to be covert in the middle of the night. Because you're right. Like all these jingle bells <laughs> popping up there. I did look it up because that scene can be mildly traumatizing. I did look it up. 
that that cat was of course not being shocked, but I was sitting there. I was like, how'd they get it to jump? Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the, the trainer was under the floor shooting compressed air up there. Uh-oh. So, so the cat was just like, like reacting to a blast of compressed <laughs> air. Um, That's so funny. Certainly not shocking <laughs> the cat yeah. for the sake. This was the eighties, and it was wild. Yeah, and really I know that's what I was like it is the eighties, guys. <laughs> I mean, they, they did, um, but yeah, I intentionally looked that up. I was like, how they how they do that? It's like okay, yeah, yeah they're the under the floor. Yeah, this one was also like, uh, uh-uh, uh, when the mom was putting the the uh, luring the the cat into the box and then just oh putting yeah. the box down. <laughs> that ain't oh. right. Oh my gosh, that ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right. Cross down to the shelter. <laughs> well um so so uh thank you guys so much uh for being here and uh we're gonna bring that segment to a close and and get everybody off to the next one so uh you can feel free to uh clock out if you will no overtime on this segment uh thank you for being our night shift guards right. jess thank you so much awesome. again steve thank you as always and so good, guys. Uh, thank, thank you, you. thank you yeah this was a lot of fun and we it will was. see you all next time all right take care Bye. everybody all right Bye. There he is. I told you I'd be back. There's the lackey. No. No. You said baby got back. I'm sorry. You said I'd be back. That's right. Yeah. Huh? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sometimes. (laughs) They come back. Oh, they do. They do right now, actually. You better get going. You're up. (laughs) Wait. Wait. Oh. What? I was heading down yes. the hall to the bathroom. I just happened to pass you. What's up? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm up yeah, no, with who's the, You're up. Yeah. They're ready? Who? Yeah, they're ready. Oh no, you are you're supposed to meet Matt Ruff, Meredith, and Andy. Oh, your buddy Andy. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're <laughs> lawnmower uh, man. Oh, yeah, but that's not the story you're doing. Trim the hedges. Sometimes we all come back, I guess. I guess so. You better get up there before there's any more worse puns around here. (laughs) Welcome to another segment of the Night Shift. Your guards on duty for this round are longtime friend of the fog, Meredith Curran, one of your quarterly kings, Andy Whitfield, and author and fog artist in residence, Matt Ruff. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hey. Hi. I am one of your normal co-hosts and the shift leader for our installment. For, for certain today. definitions of normal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I am one of your abnormal, your paranormal, your <laughs> out of norm uh, co-hosts and shift leader for this installment of Night Shift. I am Nathan Rouse, in case that's unclear. So today, friends, uh, we are talking about sometimes they come back a short story out of night shift which is the broader overarching series we're in the middle of we're going to point to the pros uh of it we're going to talk about the film version of it but i got a little got a little game for us okay so we're gonna play a little little shark tank all right i, I actually have never ever 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 seen an episode of shark tank i just loosely know what it's about so okay all the all the shark tankers out there don't be like nathan that's not how it goes uh <laughs> my understanding of the show shark tank is what we're about to do so if you dug deep at all, you might have discovered I did not watch these. I only read the pros and watched the initial film. But there's two sequels to this that exist in in film format. And and they got a little cute with it, didn't they? They said for sequel number one, it's called Sometimes They Come Back Again. 
Right? <laughs> oh, oh, so cheeky. And then the third one, the third one, there is a third one that is sometimes they come back for more. <laughs> well, the game I'd like us to play, I'm, I've got a couple of ideas for further sequels and I'm going to workshop them to the three of you and just see, okay. I, I want some, I want some voting on which one you think I should submit to the studio that I'm sure still has the rights to sometimes they come back. So first one I'd like to submit to you is sometimes they come back in the high life again. <laughs> this would be, this would be starring eighties pop rock icon, Steve Winwood as the ghost of a deceased eighties pop rock icon out to terrorize grunge rockers, hip hop stars, and boy band members, and basically any musical genre that rendered eighties pop rock irrelevant. Okay. So that's, that's your first option. Sometimes okay. they come back in the high life again. I'm getting groans. I'm getting eye rolls. That's okay. There's, there's other options here. I, okay. um, your next option for consideration and, and, you know, listeners, y'all can, y'all can submit your votes for these as well. Um, next option for consideration is sometimes they come back that thing up. <laughs> which is about a trio of sassy lady demons who are terrorizing the living men that made their lives hell while they were alive and then they go clubbing so that's i, I don't the, know is juvenile gonna make a guest appearance <laughs> sure they'd be on the soundtrack for sure <laughs> yeah. absolutely uh and the Maybe last that, one yeah can i just expand on your your thing <laughs> i mean quick 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 i know okay. i know i just want to add to it so they go to the club and juvenile is performing okay back yeah. it up because they're yeah. back okay go ahead yeah 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 whatever just so you know my dog <laughs> my, my, this is like a real a real fear of god treat my dog is right here i don't know if y'all can see her so uh Aww. you know she she heard me pitching ideas and she wants in on the action uh the third and last option here for y'all's consideration is sometimes they come back to the future and really in this one it's just that the car is a delorean and that's really the only real change this go around so um so matt i'm coming to you first uh, uh, sometimes they come back to the future. Sometimes they come back in the high life again. Sometimes they come back that thing up or any alternate ideas you might have. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm leaning towards back to the future just because I like back to the future the best, even though there you yeah, go. I, yeah, sure. Let's go okay. with that. We got a winner for sometimes I come back to the future. Meredith, what about you? Um, I'm going to vote for the, um, back that thing up. Yeah. yeah. I see a <laughs> Hamilton type experience. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Okay, and Andy, what is what is your choice if you can? Oh recover? my gosh, um, it, it's going to be back that thing up. Sometimes okay. they come back. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that'd be incredible. It's just like a very hard swerve from what they already well, have. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you all for playing along. I just thought it was hilarious when I saw the names of those sequels. It's like, really? Yeah, <laughs> you just—it's almost like the definition of phoning it in. Um, uh. Okay, so we're talking about sometimes they come back, and I want us to kind of round robin a little bit. Um, uh, we'll go in reverse order. So, Andy, Meredith, Matt, were you familiar with this text at all? Had you seen this movie? What did you think of both? Well, while y'all do that, I'm going to put my dog somewhere so she's not raucous. Go ahead, Andy. Okay. Um, I was not familiar with the text. I was not familiar with the movie. Um, I really enjoyed the text. Um, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy Stephen King's short stories. 
Um, I, I, if I'm honest, since Nathan's gone, I've never finished <laughs> a Stephen King now. book. <laughs> but, <laughs> but i've tried so well, no i take that back i finished oh, i definitely um, could still hear you goober uh, <laughs> i finished firestarter um but um the movie the i re- can we do a plot detail is that okay or how 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 quickly can you do it yeah i can do it really Make, quick. challenge yourself do it yeah okay i wish that in the movie he cut his fingers off and did the pentagram okay there it's pretty go. dark, pretty dark desires yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I would recommend the short story for sure. Yeah, cool. Meredith, what about you? Um, I wasn't familiar with it at all. I mean, I had heard of it, but I hadn't read it or watched the movie. Um, um, I really like the story. Um, the movie, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, do you want to, are we going to talk about the differences? Do you want to do that later or? I mean, you can highlight, you know, things you liked or didn't like about the, the, the variances between them. Okay. Well, I mean, what I did like, especially in the story, I like the um, kind of impending doom, that feeling of the impending mm-hmm. doom the whole time. Um, and I also liked um, that I was unsure of, are we dealing with supernatural? Are we dealing with an unreliable narrator who's just dealing with um, some unresolved trauma? You know, mm-hmm. like which one are we going to get? So it was kind of cool to get there. In the well, what's interesting about you saying that, and I'm I'm not jumping in line with my hot takes yet, except to say that this is a fascinating sort of uh, example of the the strengths and weaknesses of different media. Mm-hmm. Because in the prose version, because I'm not visually seeing any characters, I don't totally know right. what yeah. he's seeing and how it connects to anything else. And so, whereas in the the, the feature film version, a, a visual medium version, they kind of have to rejigger it a little bit because you're going to know the second you see them. And so, it, it, from that standpoint, it's actually kind of cool to just you know kind of make that comparison point. But um, to your to your point, Meredith, about in the prose to know exactly what's going on takes a minute. Um, mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? So I'm I was I was well familiar with the whole short story collection from a long time ago, and I think I, I must have seen the movie once before because as I was watching it, stuff started coming back to me. And um, so, yeah, the movie is not good. Um, but mm-hmm. to start with the story, I think that. Night Shift in general is a really above average short story collection. There's not a clunker in there. For me, this one was somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, it, it definitely has King's strengths. Of he, he does a very good job of very quickly painting portraits of believable characters that you care about. And um, I did feel that it went on a little long. That mm. one, of the, one of the reasons his short stories tend to be good is because the hard word count curbs a lot of his excesses as a writer and in this sure. case I, it's like he had about a thousand words longer than he needed and he he, he used them so and <laughs> and I, I guess reading it i felt like it was a little too pat in a way it's like he sets up the situation and the solution is that the 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 of course it's the high school english teacher uses his amazing research powers to find a book <laughs> on raising demons that uh-huh. actually works yeah yeah and and calls up the demon and the demon solves the problem and then there's that that classic um cliched 
horror ending where yes we solved the problem but did we really solve the problem um yeah but it, it, it's 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 perfectly readable it's not my favorite story in the collection by any matter but it but it works fine the movie i it it sort of epitomized the the sort of really bad films that are made on king's stories for me where they they lose the good character development they lose a lot of the good dialogue and what's left is this sort of amped up can't be horror stuff that just is just so obvious and, and doesn't trust the audience to like, mm. there's the, there's overuse of voiceover. There's this really heavy soundtrack music in the background. And then the, there's one moment in particular when the first of the dead guy shows up in the classroom and he stands up and he's got his back to the camera, but you right away know who it is. And then he turns around and they cut to a flashback of the the scene in the tunnel, which we'd seen like five minutes earlier, like showing you it's the exact same guy, right. just in case you didn't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And and then at the same time, but then Madison's reaction, like he freaks out, but then he doesn't run screaming from the room. He like keeps going to school. And it's like, no, there's there's obviously like in the in the story, there's some there's some question. Is it the same guy? And in the movie, it's obviously the same guy, but he doesn't react the way you would if a dead man showed up in your life right keeps, yeah so well and it's it's a good example you bring that up because and and you alluded to this map but king is for all of his occasionally or often fantastical and occasionally overly so fantastical plots generally speaking they're rooted in pretty solid comprehensible characters and what I've noticed over time happens when you translate it is we lose so much of that interior life in a film setting that all you're left with is the fantastical plot, which means a lot of work has to be done by that plot to, to even be compelling. And, and sometimes that just, just doesn't translate. And, and to your point there, like, you know, cause, cause you, it, it begs the question is like, why, why is this guy still, not reacting the way a normal human would react if the line is as clearly drawn between a and b as it literally is in this movie um and i wondered too and this you know maybe segueing into my takes here so probably about 12 15 years ago i went on a, a a real king binge uh but but one of them i did not get to was night shift and so these are new stories for me um except ones maybe i'd been loosely familiar with like children of the corn or something before so wasn't familiar with this one it is kind of fun as just a general fan of the genre to realize the the um y'all are all old enough to remember this game minesweeper you know the the mm -hmm. little computer game it's like you oh, sure you yeah. you you ping one box and it opens up this whole sort of uh, um connected sort of boxes like I don't know that I fully realized just how many King adaptations there are, um, mm. you know, because it's mainly just the biggies that, that get most uh, talked about. And so kind of seeing that it's like, okay, this is kind of cool. And, and if I'm being hyper generous, this movie is a fun little lark, you know, there's, there's not much there, there. Uh, but one thing that did kind of yell out at me is I don't, I don't know this. I didn't do a, a super deep dive on this, but you almost feel like how involved was the studio in this? Because Andy, you, you make a point about the pentagram and the, or we've all at least referenced the pentagram sort of scenario at the end of the prose. Whereas the end of the movie is very, uh, all can, uh co cotton candy, you know, yeah. what'd you say, Matt? Hallmark. It's like a, yeah, it's like that's a so funny. Card. You said that. Cause that's the word I used in my notes. I was like, this is like, 
very, very just cut and dry. Like, isn't it sweet and cute that, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody's fine, which is, which even tonally is very anti-King. He is not known for, you know, being very generous and kind to his characters over time. Um, So, uh, you know, (laughs) it's really funny. So I watched this movie last night and once I sort of got the vibe of it and sort of saw where the story was aiming in the film version, I started getting kind of impatient and um, it was Sunday night. I kind of wanted to watch the last of us. So I'm sitting up in bed uh, towards well, like five minutes left. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for this to end. <laughs> like, not even, I am not plugged in, you know? Okay, cool. That's a happy ending. That doesn't make any sense. And it's totally antithetical to the, to the source material here. But at the same time, Matt, you bring up the good point about the prose where as dark as the prose gets, it is very out of nowhere. I, I felt maybe, maybe that was just, I wasn't paying close enough attention, but yes, there's a nod to him reading a book called raising demons, but there's no real extrapolation or exposition about where he got that, what it means, what he's learning. And then all of a sudden in the end, he pulls off this expertly crafted, you know, yeah. incantation and ritual that, oh yeah, also involves slicing off his fingers. I don't know. It was, it was kind of a weird, both of them have their weaknesses. One of them has some strengths. <laughs> I mean, when I read that as a kid, I think I, I you know, I just kind of went with it. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, he's describing this in a way, this, this really graphic thing that he's doing to himself in in it's I'm, i don't know and and yeah where did the book come but the, like where the book came from didn't bother me as much because it's a classic like he does this in in salem's lot van helsing is an english teacher because that's yeah, who you go sure. to for for you know arcane lore is english teachers like king himself was i think at some point so yeah did, wasn't he a substitute well, at some point king yeah uh, I, I think, think was, i think more than just substitute i think i think he had actual partial career in it but um uh, well, and, and my bother wasn't so much where did he get the book. It was more just like okay, all of a sudden this is just part of the lexicon of the of the narrative, and and mm. sort of didn't see that coming. Um, uh, actually, you know what? Before we do that, ain't right. So again, I will I will own that towards the end of the film, I was a little checked out, even though I did watch it in its entirety. But I got a kind of question for those who might have paid a little more attention than I did. So in the movie. A little bit in the book, but in the movie, there's still kind of some confusion to me about the motivation about these demons terrorizing him at all. And this is what I wrote down. Again, y'all can pick it apart because this is a reflection of my potential lack of paying attention to a certain point. I said, so the demons are after Jim because he took their rabbit's foot 27 years ago. Like that becomes a pretty crucial token, right? Did I misread that? I think the idea is because he took their keys, they couldn't get the car out of the tunnel, and that's why they died. But it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, they wouldn't have had did, time. Did he take the key though? I can't. Yeah. I watched it last night. I didn't know because he's got it the... in like a lockbox or something. Oh, I didn't okay. know okay. why he would keep that afterwards. But my brother died, so I'm going to keep this these, this this set of keys with a rabbit's foot on it that I grabbed on my way out, leaving my brother to die. Let me keep that and hide it in the floor. Yeah, <laughs> but let's. Let's go with that a minute. Um, a minute. Let's let's presume the demon as as sort of thin as it sounds. The demons are terrorizing this man because he has the keys to their car, and and that was the 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 literal metaphorical astrophysical key that is going to let them embark into their next spiritual journey. I don't know, Nathan. I think it was the, the rabbit foot. 
Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Let's yeah, assume that's the case. It, it do they ever reference it? The, like when they're terrorizing him, it was yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time it got to oh, the rabbit's foot is a key here. I was like, what? I, no, I think yeah. they just did a flashback where he's thinking about stuff, and then he grabs the thing, and he's like, the lights go on, and like you know, Tim Matheson. By the way, they were really lucky to have him and William Sanderson and Brooke Adams. They were fine. They were great yeah. actors, but they just weren't given a lot to work with, and so. But yeah, no, I think they just did a thing where it's a flashback. It's important. And they kind of didn't bother to explain exactly why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such the the finale in the film is such a hard pivot away from the finale in the book. It, like, yeah. It, that, took oh, some, yeah, that took some work to get there. And I guess the rabbit's foot is the way to unlock that. Let's do this. It is now the part of the segment where we talk about things about this movie that aren't just wrong, but of which might be said that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. And then there's a little jingle. Um, Matt, I'm going to start with you, then Meredith and Andy. What is a thing you would cite from either the book or the film that you would say that ain't right? I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to skip the obvious choice from the, the short story and go with something else that struck me as I started reading that it's a great time capsule of the, the, the story was written in 1970s. It was originally published in 74. And um He's talking about, I think it's the opening paragraph about coming home and they're having a celebratory dinner. And the celebratory dinner is a couple of steaks, a bottle of Lancers, a head of lettuce and Thousand Island dressing. And this is a throwback to the way we Americans used to eat back, you know, before Iron Chef, before, before we discovered how, you know, food was just so bland when I was growing up. So the salad is a head of lettuce, and I know it's going to be iceberg lettuce chopped up with some Thousand Island dressing sprinkled over it. That's your salad. Sure. And the Lancers is deep sparkling wine, not champagne, sparkling wine, probably, you know, a couple bucks. And um, yeah, so that just so that no croutons. That made me laugh. And I was like, no tomatoes, nothing. No, just iceberg lettuce and Thousand Island dressing and, you know, steak. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that's a, Maybe, maybe that's a little a- salt. That's a good hearty American meal right there. And I, I was just like, boy, that ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> Our palates have come far in yes. the last uh, 46 years. Meredith, what about you? Um, I think in the, in the book, I guess the typical one would be the fingers being chopped off. And then the other one, he just got annoyed and, and ripped that yeah. up. <laughs> just like it was oh, yeah. nothing. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah that um but other than that i think we touched on it already it's just the inappropriate response to everything like specifically um oh yeah so billy died um so you have a new student or what was the girl's name rachel or uh, katie, katie. Yeah, katie. Yeah. yeah yeah she she's dead too um, <laughs> and, and we replaced like, her though like oh okay you have a new student so yeah, just the response was like, well, that. What is wrong with this school system? <laughs> We're just dying. It was a they've, got a, it was a, they've got a queue of kids just waiting to get in, <laughs> and how they get in to get yeah. their education is when, when another student get, dies. Die. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a long wait list. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that's a tough, tough charter school there. With the um, yeah. with the movie, there were there's much more, like. <laughs> The hyena laugh—it was just constant. Do you oh, the kid the, or the blonde, the Vincent, yeah, 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 yeah. Vinny, yeah, the yeah. hyena yeah. laugh. I was like, that's too much. 
that I couldn't tell if it was a roar, you know, whenever they did the flash, yes. the growl it, thing, the growl, or a, I was like, what's that? I had earbuds in. So maybe it was just too, too much. It's like, that's not right. Um, <laughs> they, they were really playing with the sound effects. In there, this. There was a, like, the sound just, effect. They're demons. They're demons. It's an umbrella of sound effects under that yep. ain't right for me. And then of course the dead <laughs> face. Yeah. I almost wish they'd, they'd done that a little sooner. I was like, oh, yeah. that's, you know, oh God, they're good. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Andy, what about you? The dismemberment in the movie of Chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, I was, I was like, first off, that don't look like a body I've ever seen. There's no blood. There's nothing. No. And, it's just, and you know, it's, just it's parts. Fake. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, and it's, yeah. and it's quick too. Like, <laughs> I just, how did they do that so quickly? <laughs> yeah. It's work with the switchblade. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but that would be my, that ain't right. Is chips dismembered body. <laughs> that's hysterical. Flying yes, I, through the air. <laughs> I did remember yeah. being amused by that because I mean, this is what my brain does when I watch a movie like this is I just imagine the shoot that day. It's like they <laughs> yeah. did they do they think this is scary? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. It was it was more kind of huh. You you did that as that more was than it yeah, was. The, I, I, I twigged on that too. And that was a case of this the, the tonal mismatch. It was like <laughs> I, I, I just can't imagine they thought that was really horrifying. It was more like, no, let's just go for a gag here, a psych right. gag. And it's I would have respected so, it more if they just kept going, right? Yeah, just like a little bit three minutes, long. three yeah. minutes of, of body parts flying out that you know, it's like the clown car of, of thrown body parts. <laughs> It was like a cheap Evil Dead moment, but not. But where Evil Dead really committed to that and, and made you uncomfortable. Uh, yes. This was just yeah. like, no, let's do like a quick comedy. But the only thing missing was like some clown music to go with it. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> exactly. Like that's when you that's when you just go hard. Yes, in, in Evil Dead style. I just want three minutes of that scene. Then this is a much different movie, <laughs> much different movie experience. Um. Out, uh, a couple that haven't been named, I did think it was pretty creepy. And one of the real, actually, I thought effective kind of scares in the movie is when Jim hears the crying in the house. And even we mm. kind of presume it's the kid and he yeah. opens the door and the kid's fast asleep. That, that was actually pretty effective. But um, I need to just shout out my my own personal teachers in my life. People I know currently who are teachers uh, because these damn kids when this mm-hmm. guy walks into that classroom the first time and these seniors just give this dude hell, I was like, no, <laughs> this is not right. This is terrible. It reminded me a little bit. Y'all will hear if you listen. Oh, no, this was at um our happy hour horror hangout. So check that out um, there. It, uh, my middle kid and I are have been we're kind of on pause for the moment, not really intentionally watching the Netflix show and with an E. Uh, I have a deep love of the original uh, Sullivan Entertainment, Megan Follows, uh, and movies. And the Netflix one has some sparks of like okayness, and and the 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 core trio of Anne, Morella, and Matthew are really well done. But the believability that has that is required to buy in that the townsfolk of Avonlea are as dumb and mean as they are reminded me or, or rather the scene of these seniors in this classroom it's almost like okay 
I don't really buy that this is that. Like, I, I get it. There's bad classrooms. There's bad students. But but mm-hmm. the level of whatever they shovel at him is just kind of absurd. Okay. Any any honorable mentions we want to make about any of that? I've got when Billy went flying over the bridge rail. I don't know if that's <laughs> that right or that's so right. I'm just impressed uh, with oh, a yeah. shot like that. That's good. Um, the demons reveal their faces and cut chip up and throw the pieces over the bridge out to the river. Yes. Uh, I mean, this isn't really a, that ain't right, but I, I yeah. was also just struck by the fact that they kind of dropped the whole suspicion. You know, they, they made this big build up to the idea that the, the cops think he's the one who's doing this. And then they just mm-hmm. kind of drop it. It's like, it didn't follow through on that. It was like, th- that was starting to make me uncomfortable. And I was thinking, you know, you could really do something with this, but then it was just like, no, it's just no. Okay. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Nothing Think happens about that early on. Well, and remember too, not only does he not have a kid in the pros, but the wife gets taken out in the pros. Yeah. 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 Old Sally. Yeah, they, this feels like a very sanitized. Yeah, I mean, right. for whatever, for whatever sort of uh, weaknesses the pros might have, uh, it's it's a decent little short story, but this it feels very sanitized uh in this iteration um, was it a was it a made for tv movie or was it a the i don't know release oh, okay know. Uh, either. when when we need read <laughs> that'd be awesome if he just popped in right now <laughs> yeah um <laughs> oh, hi guys ready? uh yeah, <laughs> yeah i heard it is a tv movie it is tv, a TV movie, movie made for okay. tv yeah that makes okay. sense the, okay, those bodies that explains fly, a lot actually yeah those bodies parts yeah. flying out the window kind of signal that mm-hmm. yeah um okay well that has been the part of the segment where we talk about things that aren't just wrong but of which might be said that ain't right that sure as hell ain't right um okay so is there anything of value that you guys pulled out of this that you would like to register uh, as a thematic takeaway that is worth pondering other than don't take a lucky rabbit's foot from bullies <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some um, themes of letting, do we let our past haunt us? Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was talking to my therapist today and um, we're, we're working on some stuff and, um, and we were talking about my childhood and I was like, I don't want this to define me, um, you know, who, who I am. Sure. Um, and I feel like it hasn't, but I feel like it resonated in the book as far as like, this has been with him all his life. And he's coming back to the town where he come, where he's coming through and the past still haunts him. Now, a little bit different that they're demons and they're <laughs> coming <laughs> sure, and they're coming than my inner child, but, um, I just, it's just, it it just struck me and thinking about it right now, it's just like the past is something we can't escape, but it's, um, it's with us. It it carries on with us and it's what we do with it. That is important. Yeah. That's, that's what stuck out to me. Well, and, and, you know, I don't know if y'all picked up on this. I didn't, I read it. And so I'm not smart enough for this, I think, but the reference of 27 years since the accident with the brother uh mm. is is a or whether intentional or not a call out and how it the book it mm. it's a 27 mm. year cycle that pennywise is on 
Um, but just this, the iterative nature of the things that, that do kind of traumatize the cyclical nature of it. And, and, you know, Andy, you didn't intend this as the, a a decent solution for much of these cycles that plague us, but therapy is a very helpful tool for (laughs) these cycles that plague us, uh, especially things from our past. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't, I don't know that the movie is smart enough for that. Um, but I, I, I can definitely see that as valuable um okay well i don't really have any deep thematics for sometimes they come back but i am going to get to work on crafting uh uh, the uh an outline or a treatment for sometimes they come back that thing up and i'm going to start shopping that around (laughs) matt i want you to lean on your hollywood connections and uh we're gonna uh absolutely yeah 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 you get on on the yeah (laughs) (laughs) and matt's screen just goes blank and (laughs) he's like it was was good while it lasted fear of god (laughs) it has now come to an end okay um let's do this we're gonna do uh do you recommend or not you could uh please speak to both the pros and the film uh matt i'll start with you then meredith andy and myself do you recommend I would recommend the the whole short story collection, and you know yeah. this is this is again like I say this is not the by any means the best story in the collection, but it's it's perfectly good for what it is. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend the story. Um, movie, no. Um, I uh, like you. I I watched the whole thing out of a sense of duty because like, we were going to talk about this, and I didn't sure. want to miss any little touch. But but yeah, I was really just looking at my watch for the last thirty minutes of it, and. The film I would love to recommend, I think there is a version of this that is much more subtle that maybe, you know, delves into you know the themes that Andy just brought up that that would be a really good film. It's just this isn't anywhere near that. But I'd love to see like the David Fincher. Sometimes they come mm. back. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. Which would be very grim. But I think he could you could really do something with this if you if you wanted to take it seriously and do it, do it right. But uh, yeah, this is yeah. this is not it. Um. And you know it's funny i made fun of the iterative nature of the sequels and it's like i can see a world where you know because i what cursory reading i did none of the sequels touch on these same characters or anything but i think it's just the general notion of a haunting trauma uh made manifest to people and and you could see that as kind of a cool anthology type of approach but but yeah uh meredith what about you recommendations on the book or, or the short or the film um same i would recommend the story um the whole book um there's entertainment value there the movie no just because there's too many movies out there like (laughs) fair fair point um but yeah i i enjoyed the story a lot i thought it was fun and pretty straightforward yeah yep andy um recommend the pros um if you're bored watch the movie like play marvel snap you know, on your phone and just, <laughs> just watch the movie. Double screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double screen it. Yeah. 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 You know, um, yeah, I recommend the pros. I, it's hard. I hate like, because what's funny about the film is there's, it's not like atrocious. It's not, you know, to your point, Matt, these are competent performers, uh, oh, yeah. just doing the best they can with what they have. I hate be beating up on something that people put time and life into, but and there is a world where if you're just on the the Stephen King adaptation spree, sure, that's a box to check. But as a is this worth consuming as a, a movie that's going to lend a lot of value to your to your media criticism diet? Probably not. Um, awesome. Well, team, thank you. Uh, but I can hear the train 
a coming. So we better clear the tracks, folks. So Andy, Matt, Meredith, thank you for your hard work this round. And don't forget to clock out, y'all. There's no no overtime around here. On this. <laughs> Listeners, be sure to stick around for the next Night Shift. So, did y'all make it back? Mm. <laughs> you know, Your you know, face. while the other, while the new guy is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. visiting the mm-hmm. loop, the lavatory, I just feel compelled to let you know that sometimes the jokes shouldn't come back, you know? Yeah, but, but sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. They do. You know what else? I'm afraid to ask. What? Sometimes we come back. Sometimes we come back. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, yeah, well, it, it is. It's time to clock out, Reed. So, you know, I, I guess I guess we'll just leave the newbie in the bathroom and we'll okay. turn yes. off the lights. And uh, Oh, that'll know. be fun. That'll be fun. Let me clock out real quick. Okay, so fear of God is the okay. beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else. But be on your way rejoicing. Okay, quick, turn off the lights. Get out of there. Hey! <laughs> I just peed on my foot. Nobody wants to work here. <laughs> that should have been a that that also should have been a bit. You know, we can't keep anybody. <laughs> I think it became one. I think it is one. <laughs> we got new people every. <laughs> The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.